All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Oilers Nation Radio, episode 99. It is just the three of us today, so far at least. Uh, I am Bagged Milk, Tyler Uramchuk manning the board. Rick is here as well. Nation Dan is missing. He could be in a ditch, or he could be watching this Coyotes Avalanche game that the three of us are watching, and we're going to see how distracted we all get because it seems like everybody's got money on this or something. Anyway, Flyers and Habs just dropped the puck too. Yeah, I got oh, both on go. my multiple TVs. Look at this setup, boys. Look at and that. I, I have the... Uh, Look at you, Tyler. So you got... I have the Alfonso game going on. Oh, iPad fuck. Too. I need that. Oh. So we got Tyler here in his house, and he's got two TVs up in his living room. Look at you. That is good living down there. Oh, yeah. At the Castle Yeramchuk. It's all good in, in Casa Yeramchuk. All right, boys. So I want to start off by, again, thanking our friends at Sherwood for the Giants out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. You can follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Forward and on Instagram at Sherwood Forward underscore the Giants. We are going to start off today with episode 99 with the Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Day. Tyler, what do you got for us? Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week. Well, the Oilers are done, in case you uh, missed the memo. So I want to know, after watching them fall out to the Hawks in four games, what is the biggest need for the Oilers this offseason? That's hard, man. I just, like, I feel like there's a bunch is the answer. But I think, look, if, if I can only pick one, uh, I'm going to go with they need to shore up the goaltending a little bit. I think that when you have two guys, and again, I know Mike Smith only played half a game, but when you got two guys with a sub-900 save percentage, that's a problem. That is a big problem. 
And I mean, I we watched, we talked about this a little bit yesterday on Real Life. Download, subscribe everywhere. But like, I was watching the Penguins Habs a lot, and you saw the work Carey Price put in making the saves, and it was like you know, two three extra saves a game that maybe he shouldn't have made, but he did make, and it ended up being the difference. And the others didn't get that. So I guess if I can only pick one, my vote has to go to goaltending. What do you think? For me, yeah, I don't think go Rick. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's he's hit it on the head there. I think with with better goaltending, just league average goaltending, um, we're we're still playing right now, and without it, this is where we're at. I mean, there's definitely other reasons and other areas that uh, led to where we are right now. But um, at the end of the day, a couple more saves, just league average goaltending, and we're still playing. Yeah, like you don't need Carey Price, and it would be great if the Oilers had a Carey Price or a Carter Hart or a Darcy Kemper, but you just need someone who's going to, you know, they don't need to make four or five extra saves a game, maybe just once or twice. And I know a lot of those Oilers goals were deflections from the point and all that, but I mean, NHL goalies should be able to stop the odd deflection from the point, right? So I I was disappointed in the goaltending, and I I will agree that goaltending is probably the biggest need. But I will give an honorable mention to a better third-line center because I think that's also a massive need for this team. I like their wing depth a lot. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Kyler Yamamoto is a pairing. That works. You got Zach Cassian up on that top line. I think that works if you can find someone else to play with McDavid. You got Athanasiu, Archibald. I think Nygaard's an NHLer. You got Neal. You got Chase on. Like, there's a lot of parts there. Tyler Benson could be coming up as well if Yesapulyarvi comes back. But I think being able to establish a legitimate third line that can play well at both ends of the ring, not just, you know, like Shahan and Archibald did where they kill penalties and they're decent at five on five. I'm talking about a line that you can trust in the defensive zone, but is also good for some points and can also sustain play in the offensive zone. So I, I, I think that third line center thing is big too, because if like, just think if they went out and this might be a pipe dream, but like Max Domi's an RFA. If Max Domi was your third line center with Athens, you and Archibald, that is a hell of a third liner. What if you could go get Chris Tierney from Ottawa? And just these guys who can actually help the skill you have on the wings and create a legitimate third line, I think that series might have played out differently. What about a guy like, uh, since you brought it up, and I'm just confirming here, yeah, he's a he's a UFA this year. What about a guy like Alex Galchenyuk? Or would he just cost too much? Well, I don't think he's going to cost too much because he's kind of had a rough road here and he's been thrown around all over the place. Like, how many? He's been on, what, four teams now? I yeah, think? this year, yeah, and he only had eight goals this year. Yeah, so I, he probably doesn't cost you a lot, especially considering what the UFA market is. But can you trust him in your own end? And is he, like, I'm not convinced he's necessarily a play driver at five on five. Um, so I, I would be, I'd be aiming my sights even a little bit higher when it comes to the third line center. And they have some trade chips that they can use as well. Like, as much as I hate to say it, like, you could look at trading Matt Benning for a third-line center. You could look at, you know, trading Yesopu Yarvi and seeing if there's a team out there that wants to take a chance on him now that he seems okay with coming back to North America. What, so the, I guess the problem I have there is um, just kind of how things shook out this year. I mean, the Oilers are getting fucked out of the third-rounder in the Lucic thing. And again, that could be this year or next year. It's, it's uh, Oilers' choice before the draft. They traded two seconds for Aston to see you. So you're kind of running out of picks to move a little bit. And the thing I have, the, I guess the concern I have about moving a guy like Matt Benning is 
I like Adam Larson a lot. I like the way he plays. I like that he's a shutdown presence. And I honestly think the Oilers missed him a lot in the games he missed in the series against Chicago. But we don't know if his back is going to hold up at all. So Matt Benning is a legitimate NHL defenseman. I guess he's a third-pairing defenseman. But would you want to risk trading him or losing him when you don't necessarily know how much Larson is even going to be able to play next year? Is he going to be around for all 82? Or is he going to have to hit the shelf a little bit because he's banged up? Yeah, but if you have if you have Larson and maybe he can't play all 82, whatever, you still have Ethan Bear. Evan Bouchard's bubbling up as well. You can sign a third-pairing defenseman as well if you're smart with it. I just think to, to get something of value, you always need to trade something of value unless you're dealing with Peter Shirelli, of course, and hopefully he lands somewhere <laughs> and we can take advantage of that. But I think you got to give some to get some, right? So I, I, that's why I bring up Benning's name, because I think he would be a really attractive piece for some other teams. So we all kind of said goaltending, and I had this on my list for later in the, uh, in the podcast, but let's just look at it. We all kind of said goaltending. Miko's going to be around. We already know that. He's under contract. But, like, who's an option as a 1A, I mean, 1A, 1B, I guess, on this team? Or who's an option that can push Miko for some playing time? I know Elliot Friedman floated out uh, the name Thomas Grice to see maybe he might be a fit here on a short term. I'm looking at some of the UFA goaltenders. Obviously, Holtby's out. He's going to get big money, probably. Corey Crawford is there. Robin Lehner would be nice. But, again, I think he's going to cost too much. Craig Anderson, old as the hills. Jimmy Howard, no thanks. Matt Murray would be interesting, but who knows what's going on there in Pittsburgh. Uh, Markstrom's not leaving Vancouver. I can't see it. Cam Talbot is probably going to go back to Calgary, I would guess, if I just have to guess. Sudobin's there. Mike Condon, Brian Elliott, Mike Smith, again, is there. What do you guys think? Is there somebody that you kind of have your eye on or you could see coming in as a backup or pushing Miko for the starting job? I think there's kind of two ways of going with this. You can say, all right, we're going to find someone who's going to be like this year's Mike Smith. And if you're going to do that, I think Thomas Grice is a fantastic candidate to do that with. He's a guy, even Anton Hudobin, I think would be a good option. Um, they're probably going to cost you between three and four million, just like Mike Smith did. He was two mil with $2 million in bonuses. So they're probably going to cost you right around the same but you know what you're getting, solid veteran. They've done it before. They've been on different kinds of teams. They're going to give you good minutes. Or, and this is what I told them to do last year, and not to keep bringing this up because it's my thing, but <laughs> I fucking told everyone they should be going to get Tristan Jari and go find that goalie of the future, a guy who you know can play at the NHL level and has that experience, but also a guy who could maybe take some steps forward and eventually be this team's starter. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if Alexander Gorgiev out in New York is that guy and there is a chance Lundqvist just retires and the Rangers keep both their youngsters. Um, but Matt Murray doesn't exactly fit the description I just gave out, but I'd be real interested in one of those goalies out of Pittsburgh still. I think if you can get a 26-year-old who's an RFA, who's won a couple cups, kind of been there before, I, I'm interested in that kind of a player. And uh, the other name, and I had a text to bring this up when I was uh, on the radio Shamal, I don't know if Shamal listens to the podcast, but shout out to Shamal. Um, he said, what about Columbus? They got Merzilkins, they got Corpusallo. they're both signed to great deals, but with the expansion draft coming, could Columbus look at their goaltending situation and go, this is our chance to kind of cash in on one of these guys here, get some assets for them, and then we don't lose them for nothing next summer in the expansion draft. And I think maybe there's an pipe dream probably here, but what if there's a bigger deal to be made with the Oilers and Columbus? And... The thing I floated out, if you're Ken Holland and Kekalainen calls you and he says, give me your first rounder, 14th overall, and 
and yes, I'll pull you Yarvi or maybe Andreas Athanasiu, and we'll give you Josh Anderson in one of our goalies. Would you do that? Yes, I would. And so with that, yeah. right? Like you're real tempted to do that just to shore up your goaltending. So I, I think what became apparent here, and we've said it a few times on the podcast, you look through the Oilers' depth chart in their organization, they seem set at forward. They have that dynamic skill. You might need to plug in a few pieces as you go, but every team needs to do that. On the back end, you got Broberg coming. You got Bouchard coming. Samurakov could one day be here. You got Jones. You got Bear. Clefbaum and Nurse are still young. You have the pieces on D, but there's not that goalie, and I know Olivier Rodrigue is a Hockey Canada goalie, but he's not an A-plus option. Stuart Skinner's not an A-plus goalie prospect. With that 14th overall pick, it's a gamble, but I think you could take a chance to shore up your goaltending for the next decade, whether it's trading for a young guy on another team or do you, do you look at drafting Askarov and taking that chance there? Like I, I just wouldn't hate the idea of them using that 14th pick to fix the goaltending and then we're good. I would love to see. I mean, like it would be pretty awesome to see the Oilers draft a goaltender of the future. I mean, look at, look at what Hart is doing in Philly. Yeah. He's going to be there for a decade. And he's already competing at an NHL level, and he's performing well. It'd be very- how many years in is he already? He's twenty. Like he he was drafted. I think wasn't he drafted the same year as uh, not so Connor? His third season, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, his third season. Can we wait that long? Okay, but would in you better- not rather have someone who's ready to win like tomorrow? But that's where Matt maybe you go to trade off. Go with the twenty. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's just that's what I'm saying. Is that I, I prefer to go for the uh, the twenty five, twenty six year old type of guy. Um, rather than traffic, just because we need to win now. Yep, I would agree with that. It would be nice to draft a goalie in the future, but Rick's thousand percent right. And also, there's the angle that goalies are fucking voodoo, man. Yeah, I mean, you you never like you could have. I think back sometimes. I think about starting goaltenders for Team Canada in the World Juniors. <laughs> How often have we heard, you know, around that tournament? Oh, this is the goalie. This. He got drafted here. He's going to be a great goalie for them for a decade. And then they just disappeared. You know what I mean? It happens all the time with goalies. So I guess if I was had a reservation about drafting a goalie in the first round, that would also be it, in addition to having to wait. Yeah, you do take risks when you draft forwards too, though, right? Like you could look at Team Canada, mm-hmm. the World Juniors, and find a handful of guys who never pan out who are good players. So I think if, you, if your scouts, and a lot of people love Askarov, if your scouts actually look at him and go, he's Andre Vasilevsky or he's Carter Hart, he's the next carry price, then I think you take that risk, even though, yeah, it sucks you have to wait three years, but then in three years, look at what you're getting, right? Um, but I do agree, I'd, I'd be real tempted to look at trading that pick in a package of some sorts, maybe, that uh, allows you to get a goalie that you've seen play at the NHL level and that you're confident can improve and become a legitimate starter. And Columbus would, man, that'd be tempting. Pittsburgh, we're hearing reports that they aren't, they aren't going to be allowed to spend to the cap next year. Well, that pretty much cements that Matt Murray or Tristan Jari is getting traded. So um, I, I think the goaltending is a huge need, and I think that 14th overall pick might give Ken Holland a, a chance to fix this. But would you have concerns, oh. though, if Ken Holland does look at moving the 14th pick, they don't have a second from the Athanasiu trade, and then they would have to take their first pick in the draft would be third round unless they give that up to Calgary? Or is this a situation where... Let's say you pull a deal where it's the first for Matt Murray and uh, maybe in there you're getting a winger of some sort. You're adding in a prospect and getting a winger. And then you take Puyo Yarvi and you trade him for a second rounder and you get a pickback. I guess. Yeah, you man, know what? Uh, Go ahead. Like I'm saying, dude, I'm saying like 
I don't know if I'm I'm using that pick this year. We need something right now, whether we use it in terms of getting a goaltender or 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 whatever. I, there's I don't know even if we're at fifty fifty of, of making that draft pick right now because we need to win right now. And it's hard too because when you get eliminated from the playoffs, you're like what exactly what we're doing right now. I'm sure there's an element of the Oilers front office that is like, what can we do to be better next year? And it's so easy to trade your first round pick. But then there also is the part of me who, and I know this is going to sound hypocritical because I just sat here and said they need to use it on a goalie or trade it for a goalie. (laughs) But if you don't, if you trade all your first round picks, you never get the Kyler Yamamoto's, you never get the Evan Bouchard's or the Philip Broberg's. You know, Boston got Pasternak late in the first round. Well, fuck, they're sure happy they didn't, you know, trade that pick for whatever could have been on the table at that point, right? So you need to be careful with it. And it's... It's a risk when you make the pick. It's a risk when you trade the pick as well. So uh, it'll it, it's going to be fascinating because I kind of agree with Rick. I don't think it's a lock that they make that selection. It's going to be interesting, but you know what? I think that there's a lot of teams that are going to be making some interesting decisions this year because I, I, I just can't imagine there are a lot of teams that look at their cap situation now, what they were planning for next year and the year after that and into the future, and then having, you know, COVID-19 step in the middle, put in a flat cap and being like, oh, shit. I mean, put it another way. Ken Holland basically admitted in his availability the other day that they may not have traded for Athanasiu had they not expected the cap to be around $88 million. Obviously, that changes things. So there's going to be teams out there that get screaming deals and trades. And I would love for once that the Oilers are one of them. Don't you think? Yeah. I, there's a chance the teams that can create cap space are going to be able to weaponize it more than they have in any other year. And you look at the Oilers, the tough part is, well, it, it's hard because you can look and go, there's 10 to 12 other teams who are in just as shitty of a spot as the Oilers are. Then you look at the Oilers and you go, well, the only way for them to get out of this shitty spot is to trade Chris Russell, trade Alex Chase on, move some cap space around. And then you go, well, who are they going to trade these guys to? Because there's 12 other teams who are going to be trying to do that exact same <laughs> thing and move all their bad contracts out to teams with cap space. So it, it's going to be a real interesting offseason. Like how teams can move and weaponize their cap space. What are free agents taking? Like are, are, the, are free agents just going to all take one-year deals or are they all going to accept that they're getting, you know, maybe 33% of what they thought they were at the beginning of the year? And it's all on a condensed schedule too, right? Well, yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna all happen pretty damn fast. Season's gonna Absolutely. end at the end of September, October four or five. I think we're getting the draft, and then it's like October tenth. Free agency starts. Like it's bang, 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 and then you know you kind of get that initial two week buzz of free agency, and then by that point we're gonna be almost in November. It's gonna be a quick four yeah. weeks off, and then camp start in December. Like this off season is just gonna be a, an absolute hurricane. In the meantime, though, I do want to give a shout out to our friends at Tourism Jasper. Right now, they're give, we're giving away a trip for two, a two-night stay in Jasper, complete with a classic cruise on Moline Lake, the $50 from Moline Canyon Wilderness Kitchen, well, Wilderness Kitchen, I should say. All you have to do is go to Oilers Nation on Twitter, at Oilers Nation on Twitter, retweet the tweet. I just posted it again this morning. Tag your travel buddy and follow Tourism Jasper. They are at Tourism Jasper on Twitter. Super easy. It's super easy. We're going to be picking a winner for this contest next week. We're going to get you a little getaway in the mountains. I think a lot of us could use a little staycation, mini vacay here in Alberta. Our friends at Tourism Jasper are going to make it happen. Go check out at Oilers Nation all the details you need. They are also up on the website at OilersNation.com. Again, thank you to Tourism Jasper for getting involved in the podcast and coming up with this fantastic prize 
to give away. Uh, guys, another thing that's been kind of circling the interwebs a little bit is uh, Darnell Nurse. There are people that are upset with him, some people that are very staunch defenders of him. Um, I, I kind of find myself somewhere in the middle. He's got a whole, when you look at Darnell Nurse, he's got a lot of tools. He's got everything you want. He's big, he's fast, he's mean. He's got uh, he's got some offensive instincts. Sometimes you wonder why he's skating the puck into the corner again, but that's a, you know, that's a conversation for another day. My question is, do you think there's any chance Ken Holland would maybe look at a bigger deal? Maybe say with a guy like Darnell Nurse or is it or is he too ingrained in the core to move at this point? Like I I just I can't take my head off a Edmonton Toronto fit. I know Tyler, you wrote about it this week in your rumors roundup on Thursday. I'm not, I don't know if you mentioned, I don't remember if you mentioned nurse specifically, but I just, his old GM is there from the Sioux. His old coach is there from the Sioux. They obviously know him. Could there be a fit there? Do you think? I think there definitely could be between Edmonton and Toronto. Is it with Darnell nurse? I don't know. Um, I think there could be more like, we know Toronto's like Matt Benning and Jujar Kara in the past. We know Edmonton is like, some young wingers on Toronto in the past, Connor Brown before he was dealt. Um, is there a fit with Nurse, though? I could certainly see Kyle Dubas wanting him. I could certainly see Sheldon Keefe wanting him. And in that sense, I could see the Leafs maybe overvaluing him. We know the Leafs need defensemen. If I'm trading Darnell Nurse to Toronto, though, like I'm not trading Darnell Nurse unless I'm getting an absolute bona fide top line option to play with Connor McDavid. Like, I'm talking William Nylander. That's what I'm talking about. And that's probably the only player, the realistic option on Toronto that I would consider trading Darnell Nurse for is a guy in Nylander, 24 years old, locked up for the next four years, which it's important to remember. Flat cap coming, good to have the certainty of knowing Nylander's only made, or is making 6.9. I shouldn't say only. That's a pretty hefty price tag. But Darnell Nurse is a UFA in a couple of years. He might be a hard deal to get done. And if you don't trade Darnell Nurse this summer or next summer, then you're accepting there's a risk you might have to let him walk for free. So if you could get, like, the names I'm looking for Darnell Nurse, William Nylander in Toronto. If the Winnipeg Jets want to shore up their defense, you can send us Nick Ehlers, and I'll give you I'll give you a nice Darnell Nurse for him. So it, it's names like that. Like, I'm not doing it for Janssen or Kapanen or Jack Roslovich. I'm doing it for the big names. Well, yeah, and I think that's what people need to realize. too. If you're listening to this right now, and I assume there probably is somebody listening to this and getting pissed off at the idea of trading Darnell Nurse, like Tyler said, nobody's giving him away. But if you could maybe get a guy like Nylander who could probably score you 30 goals on Connor's right wing, I think you kind of have to look at it. And we saw how Toronto bowed out in the play-in rounds just like we did. You know that fan base needs a shake-up just like Oilers fans do. There could be a fit there. And like I said, there's some history with the GM and the coach. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. And just quickly, I know Rick's going to want to chime in on this. Look at the left side of your defense sort of moving forward here. Yes, it's great to have Darnell Nurse on that second bear. He works great with Ethan Bear. But you have Clefbaum. I don't think he should go anywhere because he makes 4.1 for the next three years. And honestly, I don't think Ken Holland is foolish enough to trade a value contract like that. Clefbaum's staying. You have Darnell Nurse for now, but you also have Caleb Jones who has proven it in, in short spurts he can handle the top four minutes. So if you let him keep developing, I think in two years it'd be realistic to say Caleb Jones is a legitimate bona fide top four defenseman in the league. I think we could all see that happening, in which case you probably wouldn't want to pay Darnell Nurse $7 million if you can get Jones done for $4 million instead. So in which case you might just be risking losing Nurse for free at that point anyways. Um, you got Broberg coming up, and there's a chance Broberg's on the NHL team next year. So... You have a lot of left-handed defensemen. If there's one area of your team that you're going to move for help up front, 
it's probably a left-handed defenseman, and Darnell Nurse probably has the most value. And if Toronto, if you say Toronto, you think they they could uh, overvalue him, then you know you get as much as possible as you can out of whatever team that wants to take him. But you're right. I think maybe before this season, Holland would would have been a little more iffy on trading him. But after uh, what he saw with Broberg, what he did there, I think that's going to uh, loosen up a little more, a couple more options. And I, with Toronto, I think you could probably get more for Nurse than you would Clefbaum, whether we like it or not. Um. So yeah, I think you just have to you have to move for the guy who's who's going to bring back the the greatest return. And if we get somebody like Nylander back, and you cannot take less than that. Well, that and that's the thing, right? You if can't you can get somebody like that, then yeah, man, I think you have to jump on it. And they could also like, if I'm thinking about it from a Toronto standpoint, you could also sell. Hey, so you can sell boy. nurse down there. Local He's boy, a, tough, gritty. local boy. Uh, if, played for played for Keith. Played for Dubis. You know. You can sell it there. But like Rick and Tyler both said, if you're moving Darnell Nurse, and it doesn't matter where. It's not cheap. It's not cheap because he's an important part of the team. Also, Tyler brought this up on Real Life yesterday. He's also Connor's buddy. So if you are trading Darnell Nurse, you better get something that Connor goes, oh, shit, okay. I can can see why you did this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because that's also something you have to take into consideration. Yes, they're professionals and trades happen, blah, blah, blah. But let's, you know, let's not pretend that doesn't matter. I, I 100% agree. And that's why I'd still be hesitant to do it. Because even today on his Zoom call, McDavid talked about, you know, night and day difference in the room with that team, the strides they've taken in the year, their mindset. The last thing you'd want to do is overreact to a pandemic year where you got bounced in a weird-ass best of five and trade a core member of this team and it upsets the room a little bit because there, there is that consideration in all of this as well. Of course, and you have to think about it. You have to think about it. You can't ignore it and pretend these guys. I know a lot of us like to pretend that hockey players are robots, but they're not. So that is something that you need to think about. You did bring up, um, you, did, you brought up McDavid's Zoom call there. So I got a couple of quotes here from Gregor. Uh, I want to read them to you guys, get your take. Um, when asked about playoff intensity, Something that really bothered me. The lack of intensity. Uh, Rick, I saw you shake your head, so we'll go to you first on this. Connor just said, where when he was asked where was it, he said, I wish I knew. I wish I had the answer to why it wasn't there. I drove me fucking crazy. Rick, what do you think about just the lack of anger and hatred? We, we saw more in an exhibition game against the Flames than we did against Chicago. Yeah, man, I think they really dropped the ball, really dropped the ball there. Uh, where was Cassian? Like that's that's kind of his role. He kind of he got you know he got bumped down to the third role or the third line, so he knows all of a sudden he's not going to be able to put up as many points as he would if he was up on the first line. So what does he have to do? He has to go out there and bang bodies and get the uh, get the emotion up, and that was not there. Nobody nobody took it uh, an opportunity to do it. Jujar, I, the guy wasn't out there at all. I didn't see him at all. Like I just think they missed uh, such an opportunity to move on. Period and. When you can't score, you can't score. I get it, but you can always put in that that banging, crashing, and I hate to say it, and it kills me. But I watched that stupid ass Flames game last night, and where was that type of where was that type of um, forecheck? Where was you know where was that type of physicality that we, we had nothing? I wish actually, you know what? I wish that Dan was on the podcast today because I wonder there was a lot of fights in the play in rounds more than I expected, and. 
there was none in the Oilers series. And I wonder if that was one of the only series where there wasn't a scrap. And you brought up Cassian. I was endlessly disappointed with him. And I said this yesterday on Real Life. I mean, I get, you know, hindsight is what it is. But that contract now just, it pisses me off even more because he just completely disappeared in the playoffs when we really needed him. Tyler, I thought you had a really good point on Cassian's contract yesterday on Real Life. If you could just please echo it here on ONRA. On Radio. The thing that worries me with Zach Cassian, in 2017 when he had his best run as an Oiler there and he ins- asserted himself in those playoff series, it was a contract year. And then the Oilers gave him a contract. And what happened the Christmas after they gave him a contract? It was, uh, Zach Cassian's being told he can look for a trade. Zach Cassian's getting healthy scratch. Not happy in Edmonton. Went on and on and on and on and on. So he comes into this season comes out of the gates flying, is playing some of the best hockey we've ever seen him play in his career. And what is it? It's a contract year. What happens when the Oilers sign him? Well, he completely falls off the map again. Right? He gets suspended a couple times, has a rough stretch, gets pulled off the top line, and disappears in the playoffs, which is when he's supposed to be making that contract worth it. So it, I, I get concerned that Cassian gets comfortable real easily. And that's part of the reason that contract really irks me is because one, I, I don't think there was any reason for Ken Holland to sign that as soon as he did. Like, Zach, was Zach Cassian? I know the global pandemic threw everything off and that changed everything. You can never predict it. But even taking that out, like, was Zach Cassian ever going to be worth more than $3.6 million on the open market? I, I, unless I'm missing something, I don't think so. And was there yeah, ever, I can't imagine with you. Was there ever going to be a team out there who could offer him a better fit than what the Oilers were offering him? Unless I'm missing something, I don't think so. So Ken well, Holland hasn't made very many mistakes, but that's probably the one. And again, it's wasted calf space at a time where you can't have that. Well, and also, I mean, and this just goes for every signing the Oilers do. They can't reward players from the McBump unless Connor's getting a cut of that guy's contract. Yeah. And I, and I hate to say it, but like, that's exactly what happened. Would Cassian score as many goals as he did if he wasn't with Connor? No. No, he wouldn't. So... I mean, I guess I'm just still frustrated with him. I assume he's frustrated with himself as well, but still. Disappearing in the playoffs and being a complete non-factor was a real bummer for me. What what other problems did you see? I mean, we covered goaltending, lack of intensity. What other problems did you guys see in that Chicago series that were just glaring to you? Well, the lack of intensity is the big one. Like, you can't be showing up for playoff series and, and seemingly not giving a shit. And the depth scoring was a problem for the Oilers all season. But if you're a guy, and I thought James Neal actually had a good series, but if you're a guy like Cassian, Kara, whoever, and you're going out there and you sense that your team is a little bit not feeling it, they're not bringing that intensity, why not go fight someone? Why not go lay a big hit or something like that? Like, just It seemed like no one wanted to step up and be a catalyst for the Oilers, and that was really frustrating. Um, and then the goaltending was the big one. Their defense wasn't great either, but you know, an above-average goaltender can mask some of your defensive issues, and the Oilers didn't have that luxury in the series. Rick, what do you say? Yeah, man, it's just exactly that. It's there was just didn't seem to be any any want or desire to uh, to win. They kind of just skated, did what they did, and it was it kind of looked like a round robin game to me. Um, there was just nothing behind it, and then yeah, everything, all the bad bounces around our own net. Uh, that just you know you're already angry at the fact they don't seem to be you know any anybody even trying, and then all these stupid bad bounces or you know they're tips from here, there, and everywhere. It, it was just extremely frustrating from 
pretty much uh, from the first game on. It, it was, and I think you guys nailed it. Uh, I would also add a lack of discipline um, onto the pile. Even Kaylor Yamamoto today on his phone call to wrap up the season, he said in game one he was too hyped up and he was just going around trying to trying to hit everybody and it took him out of his game. So I think there was a lot of that going on as well, a lack of discipline, discipline you know, causing issues. I'm thinking specifically of game three, the penalty box parade yeah. just kind of killed the game before it was even – underway so but we were still in that thing we were still winning that damn game well and that's the problem too right if they hadn't taken those six penalties in like a span of you know whatever it was 10 12 minutes then maybe we would have looked at an extended lead heading into the third period rather than one goal lead but then again they fucked it up they were but even a one goal lead they got it this team hasn't done anything all year they got to win these games like this is 06 was sad. Like we were so close. I was very sad. 17 was fun. You know, it was the beginning of the Connor Leon era. It was, it what it is what it was. And you know, it's kind of like, okay, we're growing, we're moving forward. And then Shirelli happened. And then this year, and this year is, I'm angry. I'm angry. They got my rate. This is, this is the, this is way worse than any other fucking one we've had. This is fucking horrible. It is, it is way worse. To me, it's also worse because now I'm, we're watching, all three of us are watching a game. I see all of our eyeballs from the FaceTime call yeah. up on the TV. But this one specifically, Colorado and Arizona, this is happening here in our fucking arena. Somebody is going to win the Stanley Cup in the Oilers arena, and it is going to drive me crazy. It drives me nuts. And we didn't try. We didn't do anything. They didn't put any fucking effort into it, it seemed like. Well, look at how bad. It eats me alive right now. You're, you, I mean, you're singing to the choir here because, like, look at Chicago game one versus the Golden Knights. They got fucking lit up because they suck. Yes, yeah. we could have done that if we just played like we did in fucking January and February and March. Well, that, you know, that also raises questions about some, uh, some of the choices that Tippett made. Again, not reuniting the best line in hockey until seven minutes left in the elimination game. Mistake. You know, Archibald and Shan towards the end of the season before the pause had started to find some chemistry on the third line. They weren't together. Mistake. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. I don't want to dwell on it too much. Obviously, we're all pissed off. That was annoying. The series ended the way it did. It was stupid. It makes me angry. I don't want to talk about it again, but I understand we have a podcast where we talk about the other, so we kind of have to. But it was ugly. There's yeah. no other way to put it. I was so mad, in fact, after that loss on Friday. I fucked off for four days. I basically walked into a river, and I didn't come out. And I peeked my head out just above the surface on Monday night to see if we won the draft lottery. We didn't win that either. So I went back under the surface, and I just started swimming away and pretending to drown in this fictional river that I'm making up. And then I came back and I was still mad on Wednesday when I got back to work. So it just endlessly annoying. I agree with Rick. I think that this one is way more disappointing than losing to the the Ducks in game seven in 2017. The, the only thing I'll say is there is going to be more shitty years than there are good years when you're going yep. through this build, right? Like I'm even reading the Detroit Red Wings sort of season by season look right now. And before their quote unquote dynasty won that first cup, in 97, like in 95, 96, they had 131 points. They didn't make the cup final. Year before that, they lost in the Stanley Cup final. They got swept by New Jersey. Year before that, they had 100 points lost in round one. Year before that, 103 points lost in round one. Year before that, 98 points lost in round two. This is before there were even 31 teams in the NHL, right? So like even that dynasty, before it got to where it was, had its fair share of hurt. And 
as much as this is a cliche and I, I hate cliches, I think you got to learn to lose a little, right? Like there are, t- and I think the Oilers learned a real tough lesson this year against Chicago. And I, I just think that's a part of it. Like there's going to be shitty years. There's going to be points where, you know, it feels like it's rock bottom and the Oilers aren't going to go anywhere. But when you take a bigger picture, look at this season. And I think when the Oilers are eventually Stanley Cup champions in what I think will be two, three, four years, you're going to look back on this season and go, fuck, Ethan Bear, this was the year he arrived and he gave us that top four defenseman we've been itching for a decade for. This is the year Kyler Yamamoto came up and became a legitimate top six winger who's going to score big goals for the organization. This is the year where Caleb Jones became an everyday NHL defenseman as well. This is where Dreisaitl put all the, oh, he plays with McDavid shit to bed and he proved that he's an MVP candidate on his own. Like, I think there were so many things to be happy about throughout this season, and it sucks the way it ended, but in three years, we're going to look back on this fucked up pandemic year, and we're going to go, you know what? Way more good than bad happened in that run. I think you're right. I think that the same feeling inside of inside of all of us right now, um, and I feel like it came out today in, in, their, uh, in their quotes and whatnot, is I feel like they're the exact same way, and I, you know, I think that... Like, Connor is going to be ridiculous next year. You're going to see a lot of uh, players step up their game. And I still believe in Holland. I think he's going to add the pieces that we need to add. I think he did a pretty good job this year. Um, last series is the last series. But really, at that point, all those guys have done well before that. They should have been able to get through it. Uh, and then, yeah, I think he's going to, he's going to do something in, in net. And we will... Uh, we will bounce back next year, but I'm still, I dude, first round exit next year will be, a, I think it'll be a failure. They need to get at least two, three rounds deep now. And uh, it's going to be, I mean, and it's also going to be easier for Ken Holland to kind of make some moves now that he's got a year under his belt. It, it's nearly impossible for the guy to come in here on year one and make any significant change. Obviously they had some dead weight. He had to clear out. He did some of that. He went with the scratch ticket route last year in free agency. I imagine we'll see some of that again this year. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he moves, makes bigger moves than he did last year because he's seen these guys for a year. Speaking of making big moves, uh, head on over to skipthedishes.ca. Get yourself something to eat. They will move it to your house for you. No more putting pants on, my friends. No, no. There's no need. You just go out to skipthedishes.ca. Get yourself something to eat from one of Edmonton's finest, finest restaurants. They'll bring it to you. Like Tyler always says, tip your drivers. They're putting the work in. Yes, You're sir. enjoying the results. Get yourself something to eat today. Skipthedishes.ca. Thousands of options around the city, no matter where you're living. They've got something delightful for you. Including Yeg Burger. Burgers on there. Including Yeg Burger, which we are going to welcome to the podcast a little bit later on. Uh, a couple of housekeeping items. Tyler, you brought up the Red Wings, so we're going to touch on them in a second. But a couple of Oilers house cleaning items. Mike Green, uh, according to the 31 Thoughts podcast, is retiring. Uh, probably one of the best NHLers to play for the Oilers for the shortest amount of time. <laughs> Two games. <laughs> Two games. That's going to cost him a fourth-round pick. Obviously, that wasn't their fault that he got banged up before the pandemic. And then he, to his credit, opted out um, in the play-in rounds, wanted to spend some time with his family. Maybe he even knew he was shutting it down at that point. Um, but Mike Green shutting it down. I remember the guy that was a dominant offensive player for Washington. And I mean, you don't often see many point per game players from the back end, but that's what he was at one point in his career. So shout out to Mike Green, a fine career for you, sir. Um, I'm kind of bummed. You know what? I would have liked to see 
Green come back on maybe a cheap one-year deal, kind of see what he could do. Because I think that, you know, having him on the power play would have made a difference. It would allow Bouchard a little bit extra time to not necessarily, you know, walk onto the team but have to force his way in, which was always a good thing. I was a little bit bummed to see him retire. I think he would have been a nice fit, maybe as a depth defenseman on this team, veteran presence, a little bit of offensive touch. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It, Everybody uh, has their day. It it almost makes his decision to opt out a little bit more strange. Because you'd think if he knew, like, ah, I'm packing it in after this year, he would have looked at that chance to go into the bubble and maybe win a cup as like a, fuck it, let's take one more run at this thing. Like, it's it's going to be four months. Like, say sorry to the family. It sucks you got to go away, but just tell them that you're retiring after that and you're going to be home 24-7 after that. So that, that almost made it a little bit more confusing for me. Um, but, yeah, it, it's disappointing because... Like I talked about, you know, maybe you got to trade a Matt Benning or you got to, if you trade a Darnell Nurse, what's your defensive depth like? Bringing back Mike Green for like one year at one and a half million, that almost would have been nice if you if you could have traded off a D-man like Benning, gotten a third line center, and then just brought Green back as that insurance policy in case uh, in case Bouchard isn't ready. But a yeah, hell of a career. Even, you, could have, you could have looked at moving Larson at that point. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, hope, hope that... Uh, Benning and Green can handle the minutes that you needed by um, when Bear's not on the ice. Or then, you know, you never know what happens with, with Bouchard coming up either. So, uh, yeah, he could have opened up the door for a couple of moves. It is weird, though. Like I said, a fourth-round pick for two games of Mike Green. Uh, we wish you well, Sucks. sir. I, I, uh, you know, I don't know what to do with my Mike Green jersey now. I guess I'll just <laughs> hang it up. Do you think any – there I'll had to have been up. one person out there who was just like such a big Mike Green fan from his days with the Caps that they went – and bought a Mike Green Oilers jersey, right? There's got to be oh, one in circulation. It was, it was ordered for sure. Do you want to know, like, you brought up a, a hilarious point, and I love it. What is the biggest, if you got one off the top of your head, what is the biggest unicorn jersey that you've ever seen like that? As an example, one of the last times I was at Rogers Place to watch a game in person, I saw a Sergei Samsonov jersey, That's and it great. made me laugh. That's a great jersey. Because he was a deadline pickup, he obviously yeah, he went on the run. run for, yeah. He went on the run to 06 Cup Finals, but that was it. Sergey Samsonov jersey, though. There's a guy, there's a hero out there that has. Do you guys have something? Oh, also our friend, the Towel Boy. He has a Briz Gallop jersey. Granted, he won that in a contest, but he still has it. <laughs> is there anybody else? Is there any jerseys that you've ever seen that you kind of be like, wow, I can't believe you picked up one of those? There's got to be a Gretzky uh, St. Louis out there somewhere. That oh, yeah. Is, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably put that in my closet. Um, man, an obscure Oilers jersey that I'd love to have. Uh, honestly, I would love a Samsonov 06 jersey. I think that'd be fucking sick. Um, it is well, a good one. Dude, but there's a couple ones that you kind of forget about that, you know, like, like how about an Oaks or a Peter Nedved? Yeah, Peter Nedved. That one would be pretty sick, actually. Right? And he was around twice. Yeah. I would have had a nice Peter Sakura. He was like, again, he was around a couple times. You know there's somebody out there with a Mike Pekka jersey. A Yuri Depita? I'd, I'd rock a Yuri DePita jersey. I have a buddy, actually, who... And we have this kind of little saying. We say is that real Oilers fans have bad jerseys. He's got a uh, Zach Stortini. And every time he wears it to Rogers Place, people are like, bro, what the fuck is that thing? <laughs> and he's just like, what, man? Huggy Bear. Gotta get, you gotta respect him. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how well my 98 white Pooley Yarvey jersey is gonna age. 
Well, also speaking of Pooley RV, you know there's people out there that have the 39 Pooley RV jerseys. So funny story. The number. Um, I loved him from the second he came to training camp. Right, and I was working at Jersey City at that time. So I got the white jersey on sale. I sent it away to get custom crested with 39 Pooley RV. That's what I filled out on the form. And then I was uh, <laughs> sitting in class or something like that at Nate, and uh, I see the thing pop up on my phone being like, "Yes, a Pooley RV will wear number 98." And I was like fuck, I got to get this thing changed. Like, I don't want to be walking around a 39 Pooley RV jersey. So I, like, called my boss. And the way our jersey cresting worked was they wouldn't let you send it in unless the player had played a game in that, played a regular season game, right? Because that's how they would confirm that the number is going to stick and all that shit. Um, but I convinced my boss. I was like, no, let me get a 39 Pooley RV, please. So my boss was like, okay, fine. And then I remember having to call her and be like, uh, can you call the cresting company and quickly change my order to a pool yard 98? And she was just like, are you fucking kidding me, Tyler? I told you. And I got in trouble for it. You know what? Yeah. You gotta, you do, what you gotta do. Yeah. With passion. You, you gotta do. I will also give a, uh, an honorable mention to nation favorite fat dad who has a 64 bond senior Jersey. However, he just got that to be an asshole and I respect it. Um, <laughs> We also, that reminds me of a, a nation road trip down to Calgary where we made Handsome Tom wear the Bond Senior jersey, and he was very, very upset about it. Handsome Tom Gazzola <laughs> did not want to wear that Bond Senior jersey, but like a champion, he put, it on for the, he put it on for the pictures, and that's what really matters at the end of the day. Um, back to the Oilers, some housekeeping. Andreas Athanasiu. On deadline day, we were all fired up that they picked him up. Two first-rounders. And Sam Gagne went to Detroit for him. And now, because of coronavirus and what it's done to the salary cap, we have no idea what's going to happen with Athens here. Do you re-sign him? Do you try to re-sign him on a one-year show-me deal and convince him that, hey, man, you had a terrible year. Qualifying you at 3.1 or whatever that you know multiplier would be doesn't make any sense. Bet on yourself here. You'll get to play with Connor or Leon or Nuge or a combination of those guys. Do this. Cheap deal. This is what's best for you. Or do you think he walks away because they just don't have the money to make it work? Tyler, what do you think? Um, like, I just, Ken Holland did not get to be who he is by trading two seconds for a guy and then immediately letting them walk. So I find it very hard to believe the Oilers are just going to be like, Yep, sorry, it didn't work out, AA, and then let him go. Like, to me, the, the scenarios that are going to happen here are either the Oilers qualify him and then trade him and try to recoup a second-round pick. Maybe, like, you're probably going to have to take a loss on him, but maybe there's a team out there who will give you a second or who will give you a fellow RFA. Maybe you can trade him to Montreal for Domi. Maybe you can trade him to Columbus for Josh Anderson or something like that. Um, or the Oilers are going to not qualify him and sign him to a two-year deal worth $2.1 million dollars Easier on the cap, keeps him here for a couple of years, and he has a chance to sort of redeem himself next season. Rick, how do you see this plan up? Yeah, it's tough. I like like Tyler said, I don't I don't see Holland being the type of guy who's gonna bring somebody in like that and just uh turn his back on him um that quickly. Though I think I may like I don't think they're qualifying him. I don't think you give him that raise. So there's going to be uh, some sort of contract for that, and it'll probably be a two year because I don't see why he would sign a one year and not you know just walk away from his qualifier and and, and take a, a one year. So I think it'll be a two year contract, and yeah, it'll probably be two two and a half somewhere in there, a little bit cheaper. 
Um, and then, yeah, I think Holland's going to hope for the best at that point. I think that to me, the, what I see happening is what you guys kind of said, where it's a two year deal, low money. I wouldn't be surprised by one year, but I think it'd be a two year deal, low money. And that leads to a guy like, I'm sorry, Alex chase on you're a good dude, but you gotta go. We need the money. And that's just a reality of the business. That's kind of how I see it playing out. But again, I'm just guessing. What the fuck do I know? I agree right? with you too. I think if you, I think moving Chase, like if you can move Neil this summer and free up 5.75 million, you do that in a heartbeat. I don't think you're going to move Neil this summer. Um, so I'd be looking hard at trying to find a team to take Chase on. And it might be difficult because I think he's maybe 500K overpaid and there'll be some free agents out there who are probably just as attractive. But I'm thinking, you know, two weeks after free agency, the teams that missed out on some free agents they wanted, you go, hey, we'll keep 200K of Chase on's deal. You can have him for $2 million. bucks. You'll play on your third line and be on your power play. Would you buy out, Neil? No, uh, you can't. They cannot put more dead cap space on their books. We talked about this on Real Life. They're still fucking paying Benoit Pouliot. Last year, though. Yeah, yeah. one more year. We're going to throw a party when it's done. Absolutely. Shout out to Benoit Pouliot. Still getting checks from the Shirelli era. <laughs> Speaking of needless buyouts, that was one of the most needless buyouts that oh, Pistol Pete yeah. did. Anyway, I've got, I, you know what? I'm now I'm thinking about Pistol Pete. I wonder when my hatred for him that burns deep inside of Never. me is going to go away. Never. When they win a cup. But he delayed it, Tyler. Yeah, fucking I'll be, yeah, I'll still be angry. Like, what could have been? No, it'll, it'll eventually be like uh, every move that we hated before Connor was forgiven when we got Connor, right? So it'll kind of be like, well, every move, bad move Shirelli made led us to getting Ken Holland who helped build the cup winner. So I think we'll forgive them all when, when they win the cup. You may have a point there. You know what? How, who would have expected Tyler to be the optimist I, in this one? I'm doing my crazy. best, people. I'm doing my best. <laughs> you are doing your best. You look sharp in that Raptors jersey, buddy. I got it. Thanks. A little spicy P action. Playoff start on Monday. I'm fired up. Uh, you brought up the Red Wings before. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about something that is going around Twitter right now. Uh, I've seen it in a couple of articles. I've seen it just, you know, making the rounds. Connor McDavid needs to sacrifice some offense to play more defense, Ooh. just like Steve <laughs> Iserman did in Detroit. Now, I said this yesterday on Real Life, and I'm going to repeat it here again today. I want to look at the 2002 Stanley Cup that the Detroit Red Wings won. Steve Eisenman didn't play a full season, to, to be fair. He finished sixth in team scoring that year. However, what he had around him is unlike anything that the Edmonton Oilers are even close to being able to boast. That 2002 Stanley Cup winning team featured Sergei Fedorov, Red Hall, Nicholas Lidstrom, Luke Robitaille, Brendan Shanahan, Pavel Datsuk, <laughs> Dominic Hasek, Chris Chelios, and Steve Eisenberg. That is nine <laughs> Hall of Famers on it. So for people to just ignore the fact that this team had nine Hall of Famers on it and be like, well, Steve Eisenberg sacrificed some offense and that's why they won. Give me a fucking break, man. He also didn't win a cup until he was in his, what, 12th or 13th uh, year? And he also never won one without Nick Lidstrom. So, you know, having a that's franchise Hall of Fame defenseman. It's a horrible um, way of looking at things. But where do you think this guy? Where do you guys think this comes from? But it, it's like, because it this, fits a narrative, right? People are want to pump out the narrative that Drysaddle and McDavid weren't good enough defensively in that series, 
They want to completely ignore the fact that the rest of the team wasn't very good, and they just want to find someone to blame it on. And, like, was there two goals where McDavid and Dreisaitl lost their mans, respectively? Yes. But last night, Vegas won in overtime because Jonathan Taves lost Riley Smith in the slot. Like, this shit happens, man. Just because it's happening to McDavid and Dreisaitl and they happen to be the team you cover does not mean every other player is a perfect defensive. Like, you could probably watch a couple Bruins games and find a couple moments where Selkie award winner, you know, setting records for how many times he's nominated. You could probably find times where Bergeron makes mistakes and it costs the Bruins a goal. I mean, it probably doesn't happen in the playoffs too much, but my point is good players make mistakes and it just... You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and sit there and go, well, Drysdale and McDavid were bad because of those two goals against while failing to, you know, remember and bring up that McDavid had nine points. Drysdale had six points and they only played four playoff games and no one else on the team was even really close. Well, Nugent Hopkins was, but outside of those big three, no one else was even close to them in terms of producing. I said it on Real Life. I'll say it again. This team gets blown out in every single game if Drysdale and McDavid aren't there. That argument, that argument is as lazy as it was what you saw on the ice. Like it's low hanging fruit, man. That's that's easy stuff. That's and it is just bush league, though. It's so easy to to just blame it on those two players when you know damn well that they're the only reason that they actually went for. What do you think? And I know that we're never going to find an answer to this next question. I, I understand that, but what do you think it is about this market that? They love, we love sometimes, I'm saying we as a collective, love taking shots at the star players while completely ignoring that the rest of the roster is just not good enough. I said this on Real Life yesterday. This isn't basketball. Your stars can't be out there and play 70% of the game. That's just not how hockey works. This isn't golf. It's not an individual sport. You need a team to actually win. If you look at the St. Louis Blues Last year, winning the Stanley Cup, that was a team, man. Their defense was solid. They had guys chipping in throughout the forwards. Their goaltending was stellar from Bennington. That was a solid team. They didn't just have two guys. Where do you think that comes from in Edmonton, or is that just we focus on the Oilers and it actually happens everywhere? Because of the 80s. You think? Everyone compares. It comes. Everything gets compared back to them, and they were – because they were as good as they were, and they had all those Hall of Famers on the team, so they, they kind of forget that. But it, yeah, everything gets compared to to the Gretzkys and the Matthews. I think, and you'll just- never get that again. So you, they're always going to have those things. I guarantee you, there were games where you know Gretzky definitely um, missed his, his check in the defensive zone, and so did and so did Messier. And those are games we lost. But because they can sit back and say how much they won. They won't point out those little those little same things we're doing uh, that they did at the same time. Bob Stoffer brought up a point, um, and obviously I was not alive for this, so I need to rely on the secondhand information, but after the Oilers lost in the playoffs one year, the headline of the Terry Jones column was weak need wimps. Um, so, like, <laughs> again, the Oilers can go, and he wrote that about Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier. So, like, we can look back on this in three years when the Oilers win a cup. And it'll be like, you know, and, and right. And you know what? We'll, the the three of us, if we're doing a podcast 40 years from now and we look back on the McDavid and Drysaddle era, we'll sit there and be like, oh, they, they were tough. Oh, they were good. They, the players today, they are nothing compared to what we had back in our day. Right? Like that's just, it's the way you do it. And I don't even think it's an Edmonton specific thing. 
You don't think in Montreal they love chewing apart their fucking star players? Of course they do. In oh, Vancouver, sure, in Toronto, it's it's just part of playing in a big market, the fishbowl market, right? Like, it, it's, it's just easy narratives to always point towards the top of the team and be like, well, why aren't these guys being better? I can't. I now I, I I can't stop thinking about Oilers Nation Radio episode six hundred and fifty. <laughs> Here we are talking shit about players who aren't even born yet. Good for good for us. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Um, it's gonna. Well, you know what? It's gonna be no matter what you say. This off season is gonna be very very interesting because, like Tyler said a little bit earlier, there are a handful of teams that look at their salary cap situation and they go, "Oh fuck, what are we gonna do?" And it's going to mean that some teams get some screaming deals on pieces they need. And I also wonder like what a trade for like a guy like Chris Russell is going to do for some of these teams, like, you know, a Florida where they have to get to a cap floor, but they don't want to spend money. He makes 1.5 real dollars for on the cap. What does that look like? Are they going to have to take back a shit deal on that one? Are they going to be able to kind of be like, just give us a draft pick, please, sir. I don't know what's (laughs) going to happen. It's going to be one of the weirdest off seasons we've ever seen as a result of a hundred year pandemic that we've never seen before. Yeah, I I'm with you hundred percent. I mean, as much as I love playoff hockey and all that, I mean, I do my rumor blog every week. I, I love writing content and talking about trade rumors, trade possibilities, the salary cap. So if I'm being honest, do doing, uh, doing this podcast in the off season is almost just as much fun for me as doing it in, uh, when they're in the middle of the playoffs. Well, it's going to be good because you know what? There's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of moves. And I'm not just saying Oilers specifically where we look at it and we go, holy shit, what just happened? Yep. Because I think that there's going to be some good players that are going to go and you don't know where they're going to go. I also am going to, I'm going to throw this out there that there's going to be some high-end UFAs that don't act like they normally would. Like I'm, we're watching the Arizona-Colorado game right now. Taylor Hall is an unrestricted free agency. Is he going to go the Marion Hosa route and sign one-year deals until eventually he lands somewhere? I can see it. Why not? Yeah. Will he go the Tamo Solani route and play for a million dollars to play at his buddy and win a cup? That's my question. I don't know about that. Not a million per se, but maybe at no raise. Yeah, maybe. I could see him re-signing for six just because the circumstances are weird. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously he's not going to drop to a million dollars, but uh, – um, would he just, you know, okay, give me what I got this year. Got to be interesting to watch as we move along. We've only got a few minutes left in this week's podcast, so we want to welcome free game podcast sponsor. They're flipping over to Oilers Nation Radio. Yeg Burger Hell yeah. joining us. Oilers Nation Radio. We're all very excited. Tyler knows them well from the pregame podcast. Unfortunately, he's unable to do that because we have no games to talk about. Very upsetting. We are able to welcome Yegberger in for the hot and cold performers this week. Go ahead and follow them on Twitter and Insta at Yeg underscore burger. And if you haven't been there, if you haven't ordered, they're on Skip the Dishes too, by the yep. way. We mentioned that earlier. Their burgers are legit. The buttermilk chicken, get out of here. Get out of town. Get out of here. I will eat that thing every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Um, the milkshakes, is, by the way, fantastic. Yeah, ahead, it is Tom. worth noting every month they do a new burger and milkshake of the month. They usually keep them nice and themed. So this month it's Rosie's Tandoori Chicken Burger and the Birthday Cake Shake. Birthday Cake is a great flavor, whether it's ice cream, milkshakes, whatever. It is a fantastic flavor. And those both sound delicious. They sound incredible. We've been lucky enough to not only go to Yegg Burger a bunch of times, 
um, since they've we've started working together. They've also been whole sponsors at uh, the Oilers Nation Open, uh, RIP, uh, this year anyway. Um, and they're the best. I always look forward to getting to the Egg Burger Hole because I know I'm going to eat something delicious. So go check them out if you haven't. If you're staying in, give the digit.ca. They'll bring it right to you. They are fantastic. That brings us to the hot and cold performers of the week. We're going to start with the cold. Um, there's hockey on. So we're going to do a hockey-themed hot and cold performers. Tyler, I'm going to start with you. Who's your Yegg Burger cold performer of the week? Uh, you know what? Because we did have uh, Oilers hockey in the last week, and this is our first show since uh, the Oilers were eliminated, I'm going to keep my cold performer based off that. And I'm, I'm going to say it's Zach Cassian, man. Like, real frustrating and just real disappointing in general to see the effort or lack thereof that he put forth in that series against the Chicago Blackhawks. So I love him. I'm hoping he bounces back next season. But for now, Zach Cassian, you are my cold performer of the week. Rick, your Yegberger cold performer of the week. Well, it, uh, there's two easy ones there. I'm going to take the second one. That has to be at the goaltending. Uh, we weren't asking for a lot. Nobody was asking for, you know, 960, 970 save percentage. We're asking for 905, 910. Just give us league average pending and allow the rest of the team to do the rest. And we did not get that. Uh, it wasn't exactly all the reason why we lost, but it was definitely a big reason. So, yeah, um, cold performer is definitely our goaltending. My Yegberger cold performer of the week, again, follows along the same lines as Tyler and Rick. I'm going to say the Oilers' intensity throughout the series. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. They were fired up for an exhibition game against the Flames. That was the angriest and the most engaged they looked throughout this return-to-play phase. I got to say, Oilers' intensity level throughout the series is my cold performer of the week. I'm upset. I am upset, Drake. Thank you. Flipping the ledger. Let's end on some good news. Your Yegberger hot performer of the week. Rick, I'm starting with you this time. Playoff overtime hockey. I absolutely love it. I think most people do. It gives you that little uh, little taste of March Madness, as in, you know, it's a one and done type of situation. And that game on what uh, Tuesday, I think it was, uh, the Lightning and and the uh, Blue Jackets, that was that was something to watch, man. That was a that was a hell of a game. It was, it, and it's just fun to watch all the overtime period. I like this right here. It was fun too because I was like, before this started, we had, and this was weeks ago on the podcast. We were kind of wondering what would happen if we got a marathon overtime <laughs> session in the COVID cup. And as it turns out, they literally will bump the game to the next day. Yeah. And I thought it was hilarious. So shout out to the Bruins and the hurricanes that were prepped and set to go. And then they're like, Oh, I guess we're not playing today. Tomorrow it is then. So yeah, I love overtime. Tyler, your Yegberger hot performer of the week. The Columbus blue jackets, man. I, they, I've always had a soft spot for the jackets. I've always rooted for them, but how can you not like they work their fucking bags off. They, you know, it's the old saying, no, they just get pucks deep. They grind you down. It's not the sexiest kind of hockey, but they're fun to watch because they work so hard. And I mean, they eliminated the Leafs in the last week. I'm hoping they eliminate the fucking Tampa Bay Lightning again because I think it's a tremendous story. My hot performer of the week, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Yeah. I just want. Can we we please have a goaltender too there, Columbus? If you wouldn't mind. Yeah. I mean, just like, okay. You guys got Dubois. You let Pugliarvi slide to us. It didn't really work out the way we were hoping. Yeah, help us out. 
and a shout out on the podcast. Come on. Come on. Uh, my Yegberger Hot Performer of the Week is my temper. It was red hot <laughs> after Friday. I got, you know what? You know when you have, when you're really upset and you crack a beer and you just down it because you're fucking angry? <laughs> that was me, yep. Friday. Game was over. I was rattled. I finished the wrap up. If you go onto our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash visualization, and rewatch the beat cast from that day, I think my F bomb count probably goes into the hundreds. Probably. <laughs> so I'm going to say the hot performer of the week was my temper after Friday's game. I was red hot to the point where I even needed to take a couple of days off. Thank you. Put some respect on my name. That wasn't a good one. No, let me find a better one. That one sucks. Okay. I think that one's a little bit better. Thank you. Thank you. You like my point. And uh, there you have it. We broke down the Oilers. We came up with some solutions. We came up with some players they could target. We've all been distracted by hockey games that are still on. As I finish up this week's podcast, there are 10 minutes and 32 seconds left in a tie game between the Coyotes and the Avalanche. And fucking I've got Montreal. Montreal's about to kill off an entire five-on-three five here against the Flyers. It's like two Montreal, minutes of a five-on-three. You know what? If we're, if we're doing hot performance of the week, I will also add a bonus one to the Montreal Canadiens yeah. because for as much shit as they took for even making this tournament to begin with, they're making the most of their opportunity, man. And that's what the playoffs are all about, and they are doing it. So man, shout out to Montreal. They're down three rip right now to the to the or the Habs are up three rip up. And, and a Flyers player was just trying to like beat the fuck out of his stick over the bench. Like he was like trying his hardest <laughs> to snap it. The Flyers are pissed. As they should be. They, sh- they should yeah. be. As they should be. Again, I want to thank our friends at Sherwood Ford, the Giant, Tourism Jasper, SkipTheDishes.ca, and now Yegberger for making this all possible. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Please download, subscribe, rate on Apple Podcasts. I love reading the ratings. When we get some fresh ones, we'll read them. Tell a friend, coworker, uncle, auntie, cousin, whoever you got in your life, tell them about Oilers Nation Radio. We are back every Friday with a fresh episode from Tyler, Rick, and myself. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Have a great weekend, everybody. Follow Oilers Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.